Discovery always starts when you are hungry. And if you are not hungry, it means you are dead. If you are not hungry, it means we are dead. And I, in this discovery, I found out that this name is above every name. I was doing my physical therapy in Salem. That's where I met the Lord. My dad and mom became pastors by then. Uh, you know, I had this in my mind that, you know, I was just doing what I wanted in Salem. And I remember I always used to tell my friends, my dad and mom, they're praying. You know, so it's okay. You, we can just do anything what we want. My dad and mom are praying. And then, you know, I had about 10 major accidents. I love biking. So I went under a bus on my 10th accident. That's when I, I thought I was in hell, but I was under a bus. I was under a bus. They pulled me out of the bus, you know, under the bus. And I just missed the wheel by a few inches. And I was pulled out. And I began to understand that God had a bigger calling. And from that day, um, I've been learning. And I always tell God one thing. Is every time I come to worship, give me a revelation of who you are. Because if we don't have a revelation of who he is, our worship will die. We bring back last week's and two weeks back. And today if we ask ourselves, we can tell powerful testimonies of what God did 10 years, 5 years, 15 years. But what about today? What about yesterday? And so ask the Lord. And so today I want to talk about this topic and I've talked and I've shared this and this has been very close to my heart is the word affections. Um, all of us have affections. You know, we, we are a people that with, with a heart, with emotions and feelings and that's how God made us. But the question is, where do we set our affections on? That's the question today. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 is what I want to share from the beginning. And then I will move into Revelation. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says like this. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And it says here, set your affection... On things above. In some versions it says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. Which means our affections can be set. It says here, set your minds. This is not something that God can do. This is something that we need to do. Set your affection on things that are above. Affections have to be set. And we have a will to set. If you really look. We can choose what we do with our affections. Because we can love somebody. And we can hate somebody. We can forgive somebody. And we can unforgive somebody. We can hurt somebody. And love somebody. We choose, we set our affections. Based on our affections is how we act. Are you with me? So first, you know, before I go into Revelation, I want to I wanna just speak. We need to understand the depth of God's love for us. You know, 
what, what he did for us. And the first thing is to know the depth of someone's love is what does it cost? What did it cost Jesus? No, no, it, did not, it was not just a few bruises and Johnson and Johnson plaster and you know, like, you know, you're okay. No, no, he gave his life. He gave his life. You know, people say and talk about freedom and, you know, it's been July 4th and I love the fireworks and all of that that was happening. Got to see a little. But people talk about, when talk about freedom, the first thing that comes into our minds is sacrifice, right? But the price of freedom is not sacrifice. The price of freedom is commitment. How can you stay committed to the cause? How can you stay committed to the one that has called you? Yes, he died for you. That is the truth. It doesn't change. You believe it or not, it doesn't change. But there is a truth that we need to understand that unless we are committed to this truth. Are you with me? Not just understanding the sacrifice part of what Jesus did, but also understanding the commitment part. How are we committed to Him? How are we committed to Him? So we see the depth. And that is why Jesus, he was, it was not just a sacrifice for Him. For Him, it was a commitment to die. So that he can be with us. Isn't it so beautiful? And he's asking us today, what is your commitment to me? And this is what we see. First, knowing the depth of what someone's love is, what it costs. And the second is how little we deserve it. Right? If we have treated him all our life, if we have treated him all our life good, then we can be in a place saying, you know, I've loved you, Lord. But I know how many of you had bad moods, got up in the morning with a bad mood, even in ministry. You know, just sometimes you get up in the morning and you're like, you don't want to serve God. You just want to run away and hide. Just like Elijah. You know, I've been a worship leader so many years and sometimes this is the last thing I want to do. I hate it. I see all this and I'm like, I'm done. When we begin to understand, we've offended him, we've disdained him, we've, we've, we've pushed him aside, we've done all of this, and we don't even deserve this, but still, his, he loved us. Know the depth of someone's love. Third is knowing the depth of someone's love is by the greatness of the benefits we receive in being loved. He didn't come down to just help us pass an exam. He didn't come down to just help us to get a job or just get us married and have children. No, that's not the reason he came. He came for beyond that, that we would be taken out of captivity and given life and life in abundance, given hope. So we see the benefit is what is the benefit? You know, people say that 
what we need to do is walk in faithfulness. But that's only a part of what he came for. He came so that we could walk in fullness. Not just faithfulness. You know, we know a little of everything. But God is calling us to walk into fullness of knowing, knowing what he's done for us. Amen. The benefits that we receive. Fourth is the freedom in which he has in how he has loved us. Imagine, I don't know, like if we, you know, do this to somebody that we love, we hurt them, you know, how many days they would stop talking to us? Weeks? And some of it can be seen on Facebook too, if you're upset with somebody. Today, Facebook can, you know, exactly tell you what your mood is in the morning. You just look at, Facebook and say, oh, this guy is not in a good mood. Let's not go there. And it says that to understand the freedom in which he loved us. He didn't, lo he didn't love us because he was obligated to do it. He was not forced to do it. He wanted to give everything. He was committed to do it. He was committed to us. And so love is proportional, directly proportional to the freedom. The more love that you receive from him, the more freedom you walk in. If you go and hit a car, like, you know, I've been driving this last one month all over here. And, you know, compared to Indian roads, thank God these roads are so good. Too good sometimes you sleep off. But I'm just thinking, I was trying, and every time in my heart I'm like, okay, oh God, you know, if something happens, you know, if an accident happens, what would we do? And some, in all, every car, everything has got an insurance here, right? So when you hit a car, the insurance guy comes and he gives you the amount or however, you don't, you're not surprised by it, right? Are you surprised? It's part of your contract with it. It's part of your contract with that company. But what did you do for Jesus to come all, leave everything that was in heaven, come down all to earth and die for us? What? What? Nothing. 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 It's because of the freedom. He wanted more freedom. He, you know, he saw it from heaven and he's like, you know what? This is not what I want. This is not what I want. I want fellowship. You know, I want communion. I want intimacy. I want to be with you and talk with you and walk with you. Oh my God. That's his desire. Even from the beginning. Even from the beginning. So knowing all this, Understanding this will help us place our affections in the right place. Revelation, I go, I'm moving to Revelation, the first three chapters. And we all have read, especially if you have grown up in a, in a Malayali background. My dad was a pastor, so I've heard Revelation so many times. You know, uh, they've spoken about it. And sometimes it used to scare me, like when I used to read Revelation. But... Here John begins to see a vision of Jesus walking in the midst of the seventh churches. 
and then so basically it's judgments over here so he begins to start by saying listing many good things about the church compliments let's read revelation 24 and then he goes here to revelation 24 he's talking to the christians in ephesus a church that is founded on godly teaching he says like this but i have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first so you have left your first love now what he's talking about is not that immature love that we had in the beginning how many of you remember the day they were saved you know you were like crazy for him you would do anything for him that's not the kind of love he's talking about he's talking about an exclusive love do we love him exclusively i once occupied your heart the first place in your heart but now i have lost that exclusivity you have allowed other things to take its place this is something the lord has been telling me being in ministry sometimes ministry itself can be the biggest idol and here it says all he talks about all these things remember he talks about adultery he talks about covetousness he talks about lukewarmness he talks about dead worship spiritual blindness he talks about false teachings and jezebels in authority and all this but this is not what grieves him the most after sharing all of this he says what grieves me the most is you have left your first love it just shook me you know why today today because the moment you come to church you keep a standard right you keep a standard and say hey you know i'm here i haven't done this and you begin to compare with others in church oh my god he's done that he's done this he's spoken this we begin to compare and we feel oh we are a little better than somebody but the moment you take this standard off and make jesus the standard you will never compare yourself to people you will begin to understand where you are it's so crazy that this church was so in love with him they had amazing word teaching amazing teaching they stood for the truth all of that let's read um Ephesians 1:5 just stop paul is complimenting them they're saying they're faithful in they're faithful in Christ Jesus they're blessed with all spiritual bless, blessings in heavenly places they were chosen before the foundation of the world predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ so many things you know he has to say about them and then verse 13 he also said they were sealed with that holy spirit of promise verse 13 
verse 17 to 19 it says the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding be enlightened the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe just imagine this is the church he's talking to was 21 and 22 by god's grace they are growing unto a holy temple in the lord through the spirit that is growth and then revelation 22 he says this let's turn to revelation 22 so he's he's talking about the church a blessed church a holy people he begins to compliment the efficient church but then in revelation 22 he starts says i know your works the labor and thy patience in other words he said i know all the good things that you've been doing you've patiently labored for me without complaining and you will keep doing it i know your diligence in your good works that's commendable jesus continues to compliment them pointing them amazing He says that you hate sin with passion. You don't tolerate it. You have good moral standards. That's amazing. And you have tried those that say that they are apostles and who are not. And they found them liars. You're rooted and grounded in sound teaching. You haven't been tossed around by the, ladies, by the late, latest teachings that's going all around. saying all of this you're able to judge the false teachers and false prophets you expose the liars you reject the doctrine that says simply having faith allows man to do as he pleases all this this is not a lukewarm church this is a church that is strong on god's word had a strong foundation stood for the truth hated sin but but what happens in verse 4 he says nevertheless i have somewhat this against you because thou hast left thy first love i have something against you that has been something on my heart for the last one year i don't know how many times we have stopped and asked him lord do you have something against me do you really have something against me it's not just enough for us to be caring diligent giving a servant who you know grieves over sin preaches truth that's not enough for him it's not just enough for us to hold moral standards endure suffering for his sake but what he's trying to say is you can do all these things in my name but if in the process of doing them your affection for me does not increase if i am not becoming more and more the delight of your heart then you have left your first love if 
See, there is a difference when you know how, you know, sometimes I always say like, Lord, I'm, I feel stuck, you know. I feel, I feel stuck, God. I, I just feel stuck. I tell him. And sometimes I'm really concerned about it. But it's even more great concern if you're not concerned that you're stuck. And that's what he's saying here. Some of them were so involved with all of this that actually they forgot the real reason behind this. Who is this? Where is my affections? Where is my affection set on? I love what David said in Psalm 73, 25. He says, Whom I have in heaven but thee, and there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Isn't it so beautiful? And today, this is not just for you. It's for all of us. It's completely me. I've been searching and searching. And sometimes, you know, we have all this that we can, we are, you know, commended about and talked about and people testify about. Hey, good works and giving, amazing giver, amazing faith guy and, you know, stands for the truth and all of this. But at the, at the end of the day, what grieves him the most is if we have lost our first love. If we have lost our first love. We know this Psalms 42, 1 to 2, it says, As the deer panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsted for God, for the living God. What is David trying to say? He's saying, I thirst deeply for the Lord the way a deer thirsts after it has been chased. A deer will go past the point of exhaustion to find the water it wants. Jesus is telling the efficient church, you no longer seek me as the deer does. This is to us too. I am no longer the chief object of your desire. You're willing to do things for me, but I'm not at the center of your heart anymore. We have lost wonder. The wonder of who he is. A few years back, I was sitting in a, a plane. We all travel in a plane, I guess. And then we, I was sitting in a plane and Every time I sit into a plane, you know, I've traveled a lot and I travel. And sometimes I just pray, Lord, just transport me, God. Especially when you come to U.S. You know, thinking about this long travel. But every time you sit into a plane, you have that lady come and you know, say the same things. Even yet, you can repeat the whole thing with them. You know, you've been hearing this every time. And then if you are at the exit seat, they show you even more attention. And they come to you and say, sir, can you help us with the... And I said, look at me, you know. Do you think I can't? And, you know, we keep on hearing this again and again. And so every time I get into a plane right now, all I do is just close my eyes. Even though I sit near, I always take a window seat. And I always close my eyes. <laughs> I don't want to see anything. I'm fed up. I've seen. 
And once I was traveling like that, and I, was, I just had my eyes closed, and the flight was about to take off, and this little child that was behind me began to scream. Began to scream, and he said, Daddy, I can see the whole world. For the moment, I opened my eyes, and I looked, and I saw something that I never saw. I have looked through that window, I don't know how many times. But I lost that sense of wonder. You know? And so many times when we come to worship, we, we don't have that sense of wonder. And that is why we don't have a song. And that is why worship leaders today are becoming cheerleaders. Lift up your hands. Please lift up your hands. At last we are begging you, please lift up your hands. Please. If you're a worship leader here, you know what I'm talking about. Please lift up your hands. Worship. Worship with me. Open your mouths. We have to tell you. Just like, you know, a little kid. We have to keep telling it. It's not that you don't know. We have to keep telling every service. That's why I said we are cheerleaders. Good cheerleaders. And you will get that one song, you know, that song, you will say, oh, other poor. You know, I don't like that song, you know. And then there is that one song that comes, you know, you're, you're upside down. You'll worship him. Isn't it true? Is this happening everywhere? You know, I, I work with a lot of worship leaders and musicians. And so, I, you know, I'm honestly, I'm very honest with what we struggle with. And this has been a struggle every time. And people ask, why do we have to always tell the church, please rise up, lift up your hands, close your eyes. You know, all right, you want to open your eyes, open your eyes, worship him. And some of us, no, we won't. And still we won't. Mm -mm. I remember in the beginning, you know, I've heard comments like when I was leading in church, oh, I don't like his face. I said, what's wrong with my face? Have you been there? Worship leaders. I know most of you are not here today. <laughs> Thank God. You're in that place. We have lost the sense of wonder. It's like, wow. We can look at a car. We can look at a light. We can look at a phone. We can look at all this and say, wow, wow, wow. But how many of us get into the presence and say, wow. Wow. This is new. This is new, God. This revelation is new. There is a side of you that we haven't seen. We haven't heard. We do not know about. Show us. That's my prayer every time we come. And I had for a season, I remember, when we, we went to Nigeria, we were training a worship team there. And when we came back, there was a season we kept you know, aware of the instruments because we just felt, we just felt that we're doing all this 
you know, we don't know how to worship God. You know, as worship leaders, you need a guitar. It's hard to worship him without that. We just kept it away for a season. And we started to do. And, you know, just worship him. Come back every time saying, Lord, you're always beautiful. Nothing changes about you. Just open our eyes to see. Open our eyes and our ears to hear. Open our hearts to feel what you feel. Come on, when that begins to happen, my friends, nobody has to tell you to lift up your hands. Nobody has to tell you to open your mouth. Nobody has to tell you to kneel down. Nobody has to push you. You know, in the wonder of who he is, you are awestruck by this wonderful counselor, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And you begin to pour out your heart. You begin to pour. Come on, God is doing something today. I believe God is setting our affections back in its place today. If things have taken its place, if people have taken its place, if our skill and our talents have taken its place, today he's asking us the same thing. And you know what happens? So Revelation 4, 2, 4, he says this, that you, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. And the next verse, Revelation 2, Four is what we read in two five. But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had first. And then verse five it says, Remember today, if we have committed adultery, if we have said lies and spread gossip and done all of that, we would grade it at yes, he's fallen. Read that. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, which means you have already fallen if you have lost your first love. I'm not saying this. The Bible is. Don't be upset with me. You can be upset with John. He says this, therefore, remember from where you have fallen, my friends. It's not adultery. It's not gossip. It's just because we have lost our first love. You have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you. And remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So you can tell me, I, I can understand my friends, adultery is a fall, falling into drugs, alcohol, that is a fall. But how can losing an intense love with Jesus be a fall? That's what he says. The moment you lose your first love, you give him the second place. We have fallen. We have already fallen. But he says you have fallen. Because it grieves me. I have this against you. That you have lost. So he says this. 
Repent and do the first works. How many of you remember the day that you were saved? You couldn't wait for church. You couldn't wait for a meeting. You couldn't wait to just be with him. You couldn't wait to just worship him and pray. You couldn't, you couldn't just wait to have an intense communication, you know, communion with him. You just couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. But today, we would say, that can wait. We will do everything else. And this has become burdensome. You have fallen away so much. I get little of your time and your attention. You, you have grown cold towards me. That's what he's saying. Something else has your heart. Something else. And then he, he, he attaches the serious warning. He says, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove the candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent. Many theologians try to soften this. You can't soften this verse anymore. Because it just means if you claim to have the fire of God and yet no longer the delight of your heart, I will take away every bit of light that you have. What are we called for? To be salt and light. If he takes that little light that is already in us away, then what are we? Useless. No matter what good works you do, it says, have you been in that place that you've been in a city, you've been in your office, you've been in a place and you say, man, I've been here for years and I don't see a change. Maybe you need to look into this verse. If you begin to love him and make him the first, I am telling you, this is contagious. It will begin to affect people around. It will begin to affect, you know, things around. It will begin to affect communities around. It will begin to affect the city. It will begin to affect the nation. Come on. It all depends on you and me. Where do we set our affections on? What holds your heart right now? That's the question. Are you with me? Are you with me? I know. I, I really, you know, I, I believe, and this is something that, you know, God's been telling me, you know. Uh, we've been in a worship ministry for so many years. We do worship every day. Sometimes you can even worship, worship. And not forget who you're worshiping, you know. You can just do it for the sake of it. You know, you're obligated to do it. You know, you fill a position. Uh, you know, I'm a worship leader for today. I'll just leave. And just, it's an obligation. Sometimes your heart isn't there. And so, so today, you know, I believe the Lord is asking for nothing else other than our heart. Yes. 
Thank you for the way you give. Thank you for the way that you have faith. Thank you for the sound ground, grounded teaching that you hold on to. Thank you for all of that. Thank you. But I have this one thing, just one thing against you. That you have left your first love. I want to ask you today, that is your love for Jesus exclusive? I believe tonight we need to ask, today we need to ask him, say, Lord, Lord, forgive us, God, if we have taken you lightly. Can I have brother to come here? If you are in that place, just close your eyes for a moment. Just check our own hearts today. Just check our own hearts today. Sure. Check our own hearts today. God is raising up a generation of lovers. If you are a worshiper, you have to be a lover. You have to be a lover. Because only lovers can worship. Just check your hearts today where you are. You heard the instruction, you know, that was given. He was so happy with the efficient church. He said, what are you doing? God, you have all of this. All of this. Grounded teaching, standing for the truth. They said no to false prophets and false apostles. They stood for the truth. They stood for the truth. They were not a lukewarm church. But in the middle of that, somewhere, they've lost their love. They had years and years of, you know, of powerful teaching. John and Paul and then Timothy and amazing leaders. But after 40 years, 40 to 50 years, this is the instruction. Nevertheless, I have this against you. That you have lost your first love for 